Good evening, ladies and gents, and welcome to Snell Nation. I hope you've all had a wonderful and productive week. Uh, and now, of course, we're rolling into the weekend. So, uh, you know, take some time to relax. Kick your feet up. You know, maybe go out and get some air. Enjoy some fine cinema. Now, I, I took, uh, took took a time to, some time to watch a few movies. And uh, I went out to the theater to see uh, to see a movie, uh, The Suicide Squad, which actually wasn't that bad. Um, it's worth seeing. And the theater was was pretty much empty, which is fine with me. It works for me. But when I when I came back home, you know, I decided to just start watching some just random movies, movies I haven't seen in a while. And uh, I decided to start to rewatch uh, this movie called The Matrix, which was a, a trilogy. And the first one came out in 1999. And it was just this revolutionary saga. It was it was groundbreaking for the special effects and, and the cinematography and, you know, all that good stuff. And, you know, the great cast. Um, it starred uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss and a whole host of just other other characters you know great great storytelling and it was a new concept um, about questioning your reality and, and and waking up and seeing the world for for what it really is and you know it was this dark dystopian future I mean it, it ticked all the boxes I, I thought it was quite fascinating so I decided to rewatch it and I, it still holds up today Great movie, really enjoyed the first one. Fantastic. Now the the sequels get a little out there with the plot, and and it kind of gets very very preachy and philosophical, and kind of gets lost in its own its own specialness. I blame that on the directors, but anyway, that's not the point. So rewatching the first one, and for those of you who are still somewhat unfamiliar with the plot, um, it's it's centered around a character. Well, like like all movies, but in this one, the the primary character, at least at the beginning of the movie, his name is Morpheus, and played by Lawrence Fishburne, and he's unplugged from this system called the Matrix, and he jumps back in and frees other people that are locked into it. You know, shows them the reality, wakes them up, and 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 sets their their mind free. And uh, he he finds the one, uh, which is played by uh, Keanu Reeves, and wakes him up, brings him to reality, joins his band of merry men as they go back in and hack into the Matrix to free more people and try to destroy the system. That's essentially the whole point of the whole trilogy. Um, it's definitely the central point of uh, of the first movie. But looking back at the characters and the parts they play in the story. I kind of wondered, um, you know, are the good guys actually the good guys when you look at it from a different lens? And the reason I, I had this thought was there's a point in the movie where uh, the character Morpheus is trying to train Neo and prepare him to deal with um, interacting with people that are still plugged into the system. And he makes a statement that... Um, Potentially anyone that's still plugged into the system could be a threat. And uh, and and the threats are known as agents. 
and there's one agent in particular named Agent Smith. That's the the primary, um, uh, the, the 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 primary villain of the story, of the whole saga. So Morpheus goes on this this monologue, and he and he talks about how careful you have to be when you're when you're plugged in, you're interacting with people, because there's some people, and many people, that just aren't ready to be unplugged. Some that don't want to be unplugged and, and they're so dependent on the system that they will fight you to stop you. Even though you may think what you're doing is, is noble and just and trying to show them the truth and, and shed light on reality and show them the way the world truly works. And you believe you're helping that person. Well, no, they, they believe that you're attacking their, their very existence, you know, their very identity, their substance of being everything, their essence. And they will fight you to the end <laughs> to stop you from, well, trying to help them, right? So looking at it from that angle, I begin to wonder, okay, well, is Morpheus the, the villain, actually the villain of this movie, of this, of this saga? You know, you have all these people that there's so many of them that, that are plugged in and, and they're happy and they're blissful and they're, they're content um, they're dependent on the system. They're, they're used to things being done a certain way. Um, they're used to being uh, somewhat subservient, but they have the illusion of freedom, but being somewhat subservient to this hierarchy uh, system. And then here comes this character to try to uh, break the illusion and bring them into reality, into the real world, into the dystopian uh, hellscape. Uh, of this movie. And for those who haven't seen the movie, the people that are freed, you know, they show exactly what the real world looks like. And it, it's a complete wasteland. And there were wars that were fought between uh, man and, and machines. And it's just a total, it's a total train wreck. I mean, it's just, it's a disaster. And people have to survive living off of scraps. And, you know, there's this constant conflict where they're trying to stay hidden from the machines so they're not captured or killed or, or put back into the system, that sort of thing, you know, and looking at it from that angle, you know, would the typical person want to be shown that type of reality? I mean, when you have someone that's, let's say they're a prominent figure in their community within the system, you know, they have a, uh, a, uh, a high status job. You know, they're in a high level position. They're they're uh, a district manager of, of a bank. You know, they're they're a business owner. They're a sports figure. There's they're a celebrity. You know, they, they have they have a lot of status, a lot of money, a lot of influence, power, connections, all that stuff. You know, would someone like that want someone trying to trying to shove down their throat the reality of the world that is much, uh, much more broken it's a much more broken reality or a much more broken vision than the vision that they have. You know, would that person want to be broken from that? And I'd have to say mo most people um, would say, well, no. And, you know, within this movie, one of the side characters be becomes a villain, spoiler alert. <laughs> but this individual ends up working with agents within the system to try and stop Morpheus and his band of merry men and women from rescuing people or freeing people from the system. And that character 
uh, makes a statement. Um, he makes a statement. Ignorance is bliss. As he bites into a fake steak while um, consorting well, with his with his uh, villainous friends as they plot and scheme. But the statement ignorance is bliss is pretty. I'd, I'd say it's pretty spot on considering what we've seen um, over the past few years, definitely the past five years. And if you look at the past 18 months, it's been an overdrive. I mean, it's been cranked all the way up to 11. Where you have millions of people screaming, you know, trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. None of them are scientists. Then they say, well, I'm going off of this person who who's a scientist. Okay, well, have you have you talked to any scientists that have a counter argument or uh, data that conflicts with their data? You know, as has it have, have we had like a town hall meeting kind of scenario where we can ask questions and ha have an open uh, conversation? You know, civil d discourse. Nope. Trust the science. Okay. <laughs> well, you say that, but you know, as we as we all know like true science constantly evolves. It, 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 it's fluid. It, it shifts and changes depending on the, the new information that's introduced and, you know, it grows and, you know, there's so much to it. It's not just, it's not settled science. I mean, that's why there's so many, you know, God awful products that gave people cancer and, and all kinds of ailments and everything in the fifties and sixties that are no longer used today. Of course we have new products that are giving people cancer and all kinds of issues now, but that that's a whole nother story. You know, but but the point is, there are so many parallels between that. Yes, this this movie is it's a, obviously a fictional movie about a dystopian future, with you know uh, flashy special effects and kung fu fighting and swords and you know all kinds of wild stuff. But the core concept, I think, is very relatable. Very relatable to where we are now, where we we can't have. Or I won't say we can't have, it's incredibly difficult to have a root discussion about certain topics um, without a large amount of people trying to completely shut down the conversation where they, they, they don't even want to entertain the possibility that they could be wrong, that they could have chosen the wrong path, backed the wrong horse, you know, I, whatever analogy you want to go with, but they would have to admit that. I mean, that 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 admission of of, uh, of making that mistake and what that would mean, because now, you know, certain topics, you know, be it, um, you know, if you're talking about the COVID shots or just COVID in general, you know, lockdowns, all that kind of stuff, you know, and then if you talk about the, the racial, the racial injustices and um, all the social justice warrior stuff and everything, you know, you, you bring that stuff up now and it, it's the, the conversation is only allowed to continue if it follows a certain path, if it fits within the spectrum of approved conversation and thought, if it doesn't fit in there, or if the conversation starts to drift away from that, then it's it shut down immediately because there's so many people that, that, they're so invested. They're so far into it. They're so far, so far into the grift <laughs> or into the con that it's too late now. I mean, now it, it's a part of their identity. It's a part of their, 
their existence, their essence and who, who they are, their everything. Now admitting that they made a mistake, admitting that, you know, hey, I, I should have taken the time to maybe do my own research. I should have looked at both sides of the argument, both sides of the issue. You know, admitting that, I mean, it's it would it would just be a massive catastrophe mentally for many of those people, which is why it's it's so hard uh, to to get someone to make that admission. And more than likely, with, with, with most people, you're not going to get that. Because so many people, they are set. And as things become more drastic and, and more fear, 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 um, and the, the fear porn is cranked up and it stays that way and it's just constantly scared as we bounce from one thing to the next thing. You know, one day it's it's Delta variant, the next day it's wildfire spreading across the country and then there, there's earthquakes and then there's mass riots and possible starvation and you know government tyranny and all that stuff and people will stay in that mold too afraid to step out away from it because of the uncertainty the only hand they'll take is whoever's offering immediate safety and security that feels somewhat familiar which is why you have so many so many people that are so quick to accept the um, statements from known liars, you know, um, evidence and, and information from fraudulent organizations. I mean, you have an organization like like Pfizer that has had just billions of dollars in settlement, you know, settlement after settlement after settlement going back 11 years. And they've had other settlements going back further than that, but going just back to, to 2009. And if you look at the things they were found guilty of, there's so much of it that's centered around a lot of corruption and fraud and, you know, misinformation and all that kind of stuff, you know, and the, you know, the thing I'm accused of now, even though what I share is from a .gov site or a legitimate source, but people are just so set and so quick. They want that safety. They want that security, even if it's artificial, even if it's just safety theater. Just as long as the illusion stays and they can stay safe and they can stay comfortable. And, you know, I would I would like to think because I only can speculate. I, I don't know what's in every man and woman's mind and heart. But I think it's what it is, is this feeling of. Hope there's this possible victory. There's light at the end of the tunnel. If I just. You know, if I just wear the mask just a little bit longer, even though, you know, I'm having issues breathing and I'm having respiratory issues and all that good stuff. You know, maybe if I just wear it another month, a couple of weeks, whatever, you know, this will all end. And if everyone does it, you know, then that's the problem. It's the ones that aren't doing it. You know, oh, now it's shots. OK, well, all right, fine. If I just just inject me, whatever it is, you know, oh, you're telling me this is what's in it. These are the ingredients. I guess I can trust you, even though. Your, your organization, your company has committed endless amounts of, of fraud and everything over going back decades. But hey, anything, just just give me that safety and security. Let me live my life. Leave me be. You know, I'll let you inject these these um, these highly experimental and rushed uh, shots. Yeah, what the heck? Oh, you want me to stay locked in my home on, on lockdowns for, for weeks and weeks? And you're not going to give me any actual plan or timeline for recovery or 
plan to reopen the economy or anything official, you know, but if I just, okay, if I just do what you say, you know, you'll give me that safety and security. You'll put that warm blanket around me and I'll be able to return back to normal. You know, everything will go back to normal. I'll be able to, the normalcy, we'll go back to, we'll return to normalcy. Oh, we have it. Oh, okay. Well, why aren't we? Oh, Delta variant. Oh, okay. Is it, is it more deadly? It's not. Oh, it's more dangerous. Oh, oh. I guess, I guess that's the same thing. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so this constantly moving the goalposts, you know, keeping that, that strong state of fear. And there's endless amounts of, uh, of data that, that lays out that groundwork from when you're trying to train, well, just about anything. And yes, we're sophisticated creations, but at the bottom line is we're still animals. And if we're just maintained in this fight or flight setting, this fear, constant fear, I mean, we are highly, highly suggestible to all kinds of suggestions. It just, whatever you want to interject into the populace, I mean, this is the great time to do it because people will accept it. Most people will accept it. And the uh, ever shrinking circle of people like us that will ask these questions will just continue to shrink. Which is a nice segue into a lot of the new mask mandates and uh, or I'm sorry, the mandates, mask mandates that are being reintroduced. Um, but then also a lot of the uh, vaccine mandates that are forthcoming. I mean, some have already arrived. You already have, you know, states like uh, New York and California. You know, they're they're doing their own. Um, you have to show proof of vaccination. You have to show you have a negative test within the past 72 hours in order to, to go into certain venues and certain businesses. Um, and some uh, some employers are on board as far as making it like mandatory. And, you know, the the only options you have to not get it is if it's. Um, uh, certain special exemptions for some medical issues or um, some sort of uh, religious uh, religious piece there that that it violates. But other than that, they're they're on board. And so many people are being swallowed up into this, and it's it's still you know I said this last summer that it was it was fascinating and sad at the same time, and I think here I'm a year later, you know I have to say that it's. It's transitioning to um, more sad than fascinating. I mean, I, it essentially to me, it, it was almost like a case study. And I kept asking myself just, hey, I wonder how far the populace, I mean, how far the population will let this go. I mean, there's certain countries where I figured like, well, because of the culture and, you know, they already have a uh, this totalitarian communist regime ruling over the people, you know, already committing atrocities. I don't know, China. Um, but how will a lot of this stuff go down in the United States, the land of the free, the home of the brave and that rich history of, of rebellion and renewal and strength and honor and dignity and, and, and self-respect and, and all that stuff and that, that righteousness and all those things that people like to tout and talk about and freedom, freedom, freedom. And, you know, I just 
wonder like, okay, well, how far will it go before someone will raise their hand and say, hey, are we still free? Is this still a free country? Because I don't feel free. <laughs> and so many people start, they're too afraid to ask that question. I'm sure there's plenty of people that want to, or they, it, it, the thought has crossed their mind to ask questions. But now, as I stated before, we're, we're too we're too far in. We're in too deep. We're too invested. It would be a colossal embar embarrassment for people to step forward and say, "Hey, I you know I really wish I would have said something eight months ago or ten months ago. I really wish I would have, you know, said absolutely not when I was told I couldn't go to my church and worship my God. You know, and when I was told I couldn't go." and protest the lockdowns because I had to be on lockdown, you know, and it'll be too much of an embarrassment for someone to make that kind of admission, even if it's true. So now we're, we're in, we're in deep and we're committed. <laughs> I mean, collectively we are committed. And now, I mean, we've got our, our, our president, you know, is, is nudging the Pentagon, you know, to, add these COVID vaccines to the mandatory shots for um, active duty service members. And I'm sure it'll spread out from there. Pretty much all armed forces members. So you have this, you know, I, I feel like I also have to throw in there the, the typical timeline for vaccine approval for, for FDA approval for all the clinical trials, all that stuff, you know, eight to 10 years. Five years if you rush it, but eight to 10 years. And unless someone has been lying to us and, and something, this has been just sitting on the shelf for like 10 years or whatever. We're only two years in. Not even that, less than that. And there's this, this, this push that makes very little sense to me. Hey, you know, trying to first push mandates and force people to get this thing to get these shots that still aren't FDA approved still haven't completed long range or long term clinical trials we don't know what it does to pregnant women when they have their children or how it affects their children later on in life we don't know long term how it truly impacts the elderly we don't know long term how it truly impacts uh, those within my age bracket, those that are between like 20, 40, 20 and 40 years old, 40 and 60 years old. Because there hasn't been any time. I mean, right. We're experiencing the clinical trials right now. The tens of millions of or I should say a um, hundred million plus folks that that rushed and got and got the shot thinking it would just be an automatic return to normalcy. You know, you, congratulations. You are a part of the experiment officially. I mean, they can they can dress it up um, as one of, or as one of my friends used to say, they can church it up any way they want. But the reality is it, it's an experiment. It's a, it's still an experimental drug. I mean, and this isn't the first time something like this has come up. I mean, there were the anthrax shots in the mid 90s being pushed by uh, by Clinton. Um, but uh, fortunately, there was still a lot of legal avenues to push back and. There were a lot of lawsuits and things that were settled. Some that were settled where the Supreme Court sided with the soldiers that refused to get those shots at the time. Um, well, because it, it wasn't FDA approved and it was experimental at that time. 
Now, here we are in 2021 in a, in a somewhat similar situation. And the push, I mean, it, it makes so little sense. And I, I feel like I have to reiterate that there's so many other things out there that are deadly to us folks because 10 out of 10 people die at some point in their life, no matter what. That's just the reality that we all have to face. I know it's grim. It's sad. You know, we're not allowed to talk about death in that way or really about death at all. Cause we're trying our, we're trying to achieve this grand gesture or this grand, um, impossible quest of ending death. Just like, it's like trying to end racism. It's just some made up thing. Someone came up with, to make money and, and to secure status and influence and power. And it, it, it's impossible to achieve because it's a part of the human condition. If you look at a lot of these things that are touted and brought up every couple of years to get us all riled up, so much of it is tied to the human condition where it, there's nothing you, you there's truly nothing you can really do to completely eliminate it. Like with racism, you can create certain controls and mechanisms to help punish those that violate those laws and hurt other people and violate the rights and liberties of other people. Sure, but you can't just end it. That's not that's just impossible. And those who say that you can are just they're selling you a bunch of snake oil. And now bringing you to the covid era where it's just this this quest to end death. But at the same time, you know, we're trying to end death, but we can't talk about the 12,000 plus people that have died in this country from taking the shots. That doesn't count. You know, that the the data is inconclusive, even though it's coming. Part of the data is coming from the CDC themselves and also from the uh, VAERS.HHS.gov website. The uh, vaccine adverse event uh, reporting system from their website. None of that counts, but we're 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 in this altruistic mode where we're trying to save everyone and stop death, except for those that die from these products that these pharmaceutical companies are making tens of billions of dollars off of even right now. The year isn't even over yet. And Pfizer is just raking it in and Moderna is right behind them. But they continue to say it's, you know, mostly safe. Yada, 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 you know, and yeah, sure, it killed a couple thousand people. But hey, you know, as long as you're protected. Oh, wait. Oh, when you get it, you still can can get COVID and you could still possibly die from COVID and you could still transmit it to others. But get it. You really you have to be protected. (laughs) And if you don't get it, you know who you are. (laughs) Conspiracy theorists. That's what you are. You're a threat, a danger. You are a danger to the system <laughs> and you, you, you must be one of us, one of us, one of us. You know, <laughs> I mean, that that's how it, some of the stuff feels when people talk about this stuff. I and mean, I've had people come to me like, Hey, you know, are, are you going to get it? And I just respond just pretty simple. Hey, I'm, I'm 39 years old. You know, I run, I hike, I'm in pretty good shape. I have an immune system that's strong. It's protecting me for years. Um, I, I battled with, um, with uh, viral meningitis and, and other things years and years ago. And I survived that. So I think I'll be fine. But what if you die? Uh, well, that would still be my choice. 
you know, the whole my body, my choice. That would still be my choice. And I'm fine with the logic in that because that's a part of life. Death. <laughs> People seem to forget that. That is a part of it. That is a there's always a risk no matter what you do. And if you spend your whole life wrapped up in bubble paper trying to constantly coddle yourself and those around you and constantly protect yourself, you might live long. You might. But you won't truly be living. You'll just be waiting to die, which are two different things. And that's fine if others want to do that. It's not my place to tell others what to do or trying to to force my beliefs um, and my positions on others, just like it's not their right to do the same to me. If you want to live in a constant state of fear and put things in your body and all that kind of stuff, hey, have at it. But for me, that's a system I, I just... I don't feel comfortable participating in and I feel that it should always be my choice, you know, bodily autonomy. If we are a free nation, if we are not, just let me know that we're not a free nation and I'll take off. But if we continue to hold the flag up high and talk about how free we are and sovereign and how great this country is, which I still believe that it is. Still, even with all the craziness that's going on and people losing their minds and our politicians are going from uh, from uh, public servants to public masters. But I still believe this is a great country. Right now, <laughs> that could change. But if we are no longer a free nation where people can just do mob tactics and gang up on people and try and force them to get uh, vaccinated and put things into their body that they don't want, then, yeah, we're no longer a free nation or something else. And, uh, if that day ever comes that that'll be something that I, I certainly couldn't be a part of. And I would have to distance myself from like any rational person would do. But anyway, bringing it, bringing it full circle. Don't worry. I'm bringing, I'm bringing it home. <laughs> so there's so many times you sit back, you, you look at a, like a movie or something that you watched years ago and you're just curious, you know, hey, will I view this the same way? Will I have the same experience? And I would say for a lot of us, the, the answer would be no, the experience won't be exactly the same because so much has happened in your life. You've grown over the years, all that good stuff. And for me, I mean, when I saw The Matrix, I was, uh, let's see, how old was I? Um, I was 18, 17. I was 17 when I saw it. You know, 17 years old, I was just wild by all the, the flying bullets and the slow motion and all that stuff I'd, I'd never seen before, really. And it's like, oh, this is amazing. But as I got older, then, you know, looking at it again, then I just started listening to the, the philosophy and, and the plot and the way the, the characters were structured and developed and which ones were underdeveloped and the ending and the villains and side characters and all that stuff to get that rounded experience. And now here I am, 39 years old. So we're talking, this, this is over 20 years, almost 22 years. <laughs> and looking at it now with everything that's happened with all the chaos and the, the, you know, almost 300 riots that happened last year that none of our federal agencies seem to care about for whatever reason, because they only can think about what happened on January the 6th, one riot. And just ignore the billions of dollars in property damage, the dozens of deaths and the mayhem and destruction that took place throughout last year. But that's that. And the cities that were literally 
held hostage and taken siege, like, I don't know, Seattle. <clears throat> uh, but living through that and, and seeing that stuff and then watching as, you know, our very, you know, every aspect of American culture is being deconstructed, you know, much of it for just no good reason at all, only to demonize it as you deconstruct it. And it feels like an attempt to just burn it to the ground and then build something new on top of it. You know, the whole, you know, before the new world can rise, the old, the old world must die, that whole thing. Which still brings me back to that movie. So, hey, just some of my thoughts. I know it's, it's, it's just a movie. It's fictional. But a lot of those dystopian futuristic uh, movies, are, they always have an interesting premise. And, you know, uh, the storylines are usually fairly simple, easy to follow. Um, but it's interesting when you look at who the heroes are and who the villains are, that story. And then look at how the people that surround the heroes and villains are affected by their actions. And looking at it through a different lens, you know, stepping in someone else's shoes, you know, and is this person really the hero? Are they really trying to save these people? You know, will their actions truly liberate them or will it make their lives worse? Which is why they're so quick to reject the actions of the so-called hero. Maybe those people aren't the villain. Maybe they are. You know, I'm not here to say yay or nay, this or that, but I'm just here to say that it matters. You know, it, just take the time to ask those questions. Just just pause for a second, breathe a little bit, take a break from the screens and just sit for a second and think about the choices you're making. Think about the people that you surround yourself with. Think about the politicians that you continue to elect and reelect. Think about your choices and your family and your friends. Just think. <laughs> I know I know this it's it's a lost art, the art of thinking especially critical thinking. I know that I know it's lost, but I, I think we can bring it back, folks. I think we can make critical thinking great again. I, I have faith. I truly do. <laughs> but it takes it's going to take some actions. It's going to take people uh, just taking a break from the the hedonism and the, the, the hyper consumerism and and the fear mongering and the race baiting and the hate peddling and you know, all the obvious distractions that are out there, like the ridiculous Olympics, which in the grand scheme of things, with everything that's going on right now is completely pointless right now, you know, but paying attention to what's just, just opening up your eyes and looking around you and, and daring to ask why, why do I need to go here? Why do I need to wear this? You know, why do I need to watch this? Why do I need to put this in my arm and inject this? You know, why? You know, why is this happening? And that's perfectly normal. I know some will maybe treat you like that's crazy and you should just shut your mouth and nod your head and and just step forward and, and do as you're told. Um, but we're not toddlers. I know we've been conditioned to be toddlers over the past, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. But we're not. We're adults and many of us do actually have toddlers and we should probably try to be better parents to them and give them a better example to follow. 
but that's a whole nother story. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening in. Just a few of my thoughts. Please feel free to shoot me a message. You can catch me on Facebook. You can catch me on Instagram. Just Google Snell Nation. And I'm spread across quite a few um, podcasting platforms. Uh, the biggest ones being uh, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, and um, Apple Podcasts is uh, at the top of the list. People seem to really like to listen on there. So, please, I appreciate all your feedback and donations. Um, and if you need me, you know how to find me. Snell Nation out.